Hey friends, I am Wren, and I want to welcome you to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a podcast in which you will walk away encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share. Every time you download an episode, I want you to feel seen by God, to feel encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents He has given you. If this is the first time you've tuned in, or if you've been joining in for a while, you are welcome here, friend. So many new things happening here at the podcast that I'm so thrilled about. One of which is that we just launched my new website, renrobbins.com. I've really wanted to have a landing spot where I could share more content with you guys. I would love for you to go check it out. Sign up for the Friends of a Feather mailing list so that you can start getting emails that encourage, that give you resources that I've used and love, and perhaps a discount code here and there for my favorite companies. And as a thank you to you for signing up to receive the newsletter, you will get a free download of one of my very favorite verses directly into your inbox after subscribing. Okay, let's get to today's episode. It's episode 72, and my guest is Michelle Dyer. Michelle is a wife, mom to two boys, a Christian leadership coach, and a certified behavioral specialist. Michelle loves discovering new ways to help others identify their life's calling and mission. Doesn't that sound awesome? Michelle also cherishes her role as wife and mom. She and her husband, John, have been married since 1997, and they have two boys, Alec and Caden. Though she's about to be an empty nester, she's about to figure this parenting thing out and to help other moms crack the code of parenting each child according to their natural bent. After our conversation, I told Michelle she needed to write a book on parenting. So much wisdom she gives in this episode. I'm thrilled to have Michelle join me as my guest today because we dive into two things I'm very passionate about. Encouraging women to discover the talents God has gifted them with, to put them into practice, and how we can use personality tests as a tool in doing so. You may be an Enneagram enthusiast, or you may be just shaking your head, but I promise there is something for everyone in this episode. You will learn so much about parenting, how the Enneagram personality point system can help you identify your strengths and how God can walk with you through your weaknesses, how we can use personality tests in marriage, and so much more. I enjoyed our conversation so much, and I know you will too. Okay, let's get to today's episode, episode 72, with my guest, Michelle Dyer. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ren. It's so fun to be here. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. My friend, my good friend Jenny said, hey, I know you really like the Enneagram, and I have a friend that was my mentor, and it's still my, continues to be my mentor, and she is incredible, and she is amazing, and she has an awesome story of how she got into teaching and learning about the Enneagram and personality test, and you are going to love her. So I was like, yes, hook me up. I want to hear about Michelle. And so that's how we got connected. Well, thank you for that. I think the world of Jenny too, and it's just such a, it's such a fun thing to get to talk about this because it is an incredible story how God has sort of pushed past my own ignorance at times to help me get to where he wants me to be. And so I love the opportunity to get to talk about that. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I want to know all things about what you do and what you teach. But first, if some people don't know who Michelle is, tell us. I know you live in Tennessee, and I want you to tell everybody about yourself, about your family, and kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis. 
Terrific. Okay. So yes, Michelle Dyer. Um, I actually live in Franklin, Tennessee, but I work at Brentwood Baptist, which is just up the road from us. Um, been on staff with the church for about nine years, going on 10. Um, started with a ministry there at the church when we moved to Tennessee uh, about 10 years ago that really helps people have practical tools to help them engage in ministry. So one of the things we're famous for in church land is we say to all of our congregants or members, parishioners, we say, hey, we want you to get out there and serve and be the light of Christ and minister to others. But then we don't really give them any practical help in figuring out what God wants them to do. So there's an awesome ministry um, curriculum that was developed called PLACE. And that is an acronym that stands for personality, learning your spiritual gifts, abilities, connecting your passions to ministry and experiences. And it takes those five elements or aspects of who we are and helps people use those to just gauge what is God doing in my life? Where does he want me to serve? How does he want me to reach um, the world for him? So we look at the uniqueness of people and help them discover their calling to ministry. And that is what I get to do on a daily basis. So it's awesome. I think that's incredible because I feel like a lot of people want to use their gifts. They want to serve the Lord. They want to get out there, but they don't really know what their gifts and talents are, or they don't know how to get from point A to point B. And so I think that's incredible. It can be so frustrating, you know, when you just feel like God is calling you into something and you really don't have anyone to process with. So that's another aspect of, you know, what our process is to help people begin to serve others is they get to sit down with someone and just process through those, you know, personality results or those spiritual gift results and also their story and how God wants to use that. So it's a real blessing to get to do that on a daily basis. It's fun. That's great. Tell us a little bit about your family. I want to know about your kids and your husband and... Your dog. I want to know it all. (laughs) Well, the dog rules the roost. Her name is Bella, and she is a five-pound sassafras. (laughs) So she's a Maltese, but uh, she's the only girl besides me in the house because I have two boys. Alec is 21, and he is a junior at uh, University of Tennessee, and he's studying engineering, so he's one of those thinker types. My youngest is a senior, so we are about to be empty nesters. Uh, His name is Caden, and he is just, he's a light and a joy and has a great sense of humor and is very smart and intelligent in his own right. But I may talk a little bit about that today if we get the opportunity, because they're just so different as all kids are um, in a family. Let's talk about that. Let's go there. Okay. Let's let's yeah. talk about how raising boys and you know about their personalities. You know as your mom as their mom, you know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. You see that. Um, some kids you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper, but mm-hmm. how did you parent them? I'm assuming they're very different. How did you parent them knowing the background that you have in personality typing and Enneagram? That is one major thing in my testimony that has been so impactful in what I've learned through um, studying the place curriculum and learning about personality is one day we were sitting at the dinner table and I had this just epiphany that, oh my goodness, my kids have a personality. They, I mean, Mm. duh, you know, right? (laughs) 
Um, but it was just such an awakening for me to the fact that I couldn't parent them exactly the same because they are drastically different kids. I uh, should have named them night and day because they really are <laughs> wow. completely, <laughs> completely different. Yeah. They're both boys and they look so much alike, gosh, but inside just completely different motivators, different communication styles. So I was very blessed. The Lord in his excellent mercy saved me from trying to make my youngest be my oldest or vice mm. versa. It was a blessing. Okay, so kind of go back to when they were younger, and okay. you kind of started getting into the journey of learning about personality. How did you even get started in that, of, of really delving deep in personality types and learning about that? Yes, so in that place curriculum that I use for work, there is um, a personality assessment called DISC, and so DISC is a very simple um, personality evaluator that kind of just helps on a very high level understand different communication styles. And it was really meant for the workplace. It's meant to be simple, not to go too deep so that we can kind of talk to each other and understand where we're coming from, you know, if we have different lenses to life, so to speak. So when I began to realize boy, my boys sure do kind of fit into some of these categories. You know, of course, they're growing and changing, but you can start to see a strong, um, oh gosh, pattern of behavior by about the age six. Um, actually, some kids, it's easier to tell when they're younger, and then they go off into la-la land in their preteen and teenage years, and you're not really sure what personality they are, even uh. if they're from this planet, but that's a <laughs> different story. Um, but you do start to, you know, see some of these characteristics really shine through and begin to understand where they're operating from. So, and how did you go through that? How did you muddle your way through? I mean, I'm thinking as a mm. mom, I'd be like muddling my way through because there's so many yes. things and so many personality um, tests, like you said, to do, and how are you, you know, practically, how are you walking through that with your boys? One of the best tools that I ran across is a book called Different Children, Different Needs by Dr. Charles Boyd, and it is a book that um, really looks at parenting through the lens of personality based on that DISC model. Okay. It has a personality assessment in it, um, that you can use, you can take on behalf of your child because, you know, you'll start to see these patterns emerge and you can really begin to see where your child might be sitting in terms of these different types. Okay. So I want to say, you know, use that with caution. You know, um, one of my biggest cautions always, regardless of who we're talking about, is that we not use these assessments to label each other. Um, you know, we all know Psalm 139, that we are intricately, you know, and complex beings made by God for a purpose, with a purpose. Um, so we're not easy to understand, but it is interesting how you can see some patterns start to rise to the top that yeah. are very helpful as a mom, you know? Yeah. When for example, I'll give you a quick example. My youngest son is... Um, on the disc, he's a high eyes, an influencer, he's bubbly, you know, he can't sit still for five seconds. And 
I, you know, I took him to the doctor and this was during a time where a lot of kids would be evaluated for ADD or ADHD. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, of course, wanted me to put him on medication. And the more I prayed about that, the more I just felt like, I don't think that that's what the Lord has here. And I asked God to show me, how do I help Caden be a success, you know, in school with his studies? um, How can I help him be more focused? And the doctor wanted me to put him upstairs facing the wall, you know, to do his homework without any distractions. And so... I think one of the most helpful things for me was then realizing, you know, for that personality style, what they really need is short-term goals. Mm. And they need to be almost, in a sense, balancing several plates at one time. They have better focus. Mm. Interesting. If you help them, you know, take those breaks in between time and activate their body so that their mind can focus. Okay. So we would do 10 minutes of homework at the kitchen table together. And then we'd go outside and jump on the trampoline for 10 minutes. Mm. And then we'd come inside and we'd sit down together and work on his homework. And then we'd go for a little run around the house, you know, Um, understanding that it wasn't so much that he had a deficit or a disorder. He just had a different way of processing. So I learned a lot about learning styles and, there's so much good information out there in terms of uh, learning styles and personality that can really help as a mom. That's great. I love that. And I love how you took the bull by the horns and you're like, we're going to figure out a way. God yeah. laid on your heart that this is not the direction you want to go, that you need to go. So let's find out some strategies to do it, to help yeah. them. Well, one qualifier, I will say there are some children, please hear me say that really medication is the best thing for them. I really do believe that. Um, But there are times where, you know, there are alternatives that we can, maybe it's, it's, for me, it was a little bit of the death of an ideal, you know, that my kids were going to be the well-behaved student who never caused any problems or was never, you know, scattered or unfocused, I had to let that sort of die and get practical and say, how can I really help him be a success, not just now, but throughout life? What patterns can we look at? So I think we do need to be students of our children. You know, we really do need to study them as individuals. And something like, you know, Enneagram or DISC or Myers-Briggs, any one of those things can help us have some clues about how to do that well. Well, and I want to kind of go into that because how does, you know, studying about, um, you know, all of these different great tools that help us to see our strengths, our weaknesses, our personality, what makes us tick, our motivations, how does that help us as to use that in the life of a believer? Yes. Well, I think that God has uniquely and intricately designed each one of us. And, you know, we see this pop up in scripture all the time where he references, you know, through those who wrote down um, the Bible, wrote scripture passages that help us see that he's created a masterpiece and created us each uniquely um, and wired us uniquely to serve him in very unique ways. So, We see it in Romans 12, where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. That's one, you know, another aspect of 
the way that he's uniquely wired us. We see, of course, in Psalm 139, um, but there are other ways that we see in Scripture that God has, you know, given us um, that complexity so that we have to come to him to reveal to us who he's created us to be. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is um, he's just a wonderful creator who wants us to come to him to understand how that that is and how it should play out. So I love this that. is another. Yeah. I, I love how you say that he we come to him with it and say, yeah. you know, this is going to help me to realize what you've gifted me with, because I am, like you said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And yes. he has designed us so intricately different, which yes. is neat. Mm-hmm. It's neat. It is. It is. Yeah. And I think we are born seeking identity. You know, we're seeking to understand from the minute we are born who we are, really, I believe in Christ and um, that Jesus is the one who can give us the answer about who we were created to be for him. So um, I think it's a new and unique thing that we're that new era of moving into being able to use tools like this to name some of those things about ourselves um, and to embrace those things. I can't tell you how often I'll have people in one of my workshops or in a coaching session just have this aha moment that it's okay that God created them that way, um, both strengths and weaknesses, uh, for the purpose of knowing God more. You know, as we press into that and ask God how he's created us, we become closer to him as well as loving ourselves more. So it's great. It's neat. Good stuff. Okay, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to kind of start, kind of go back to your childhood, okay? Mm -hmm. So go back to your childhood. Do you see, you know, now on on as an adult and looking back, you know, your kids are at the age of being independent, and you look back at your childhood, do you Mm -hmm. ever think of any, does anything ever stick out in your mind that like, oh, that's what that was about? I was going to be doing this because of that. Do you have anything like that in your childhood? I absolutely do. And I just have loved, you know, reflecting on those life experiences because it has really helped me to see God's hand in all of my life, um, grooming me and making me into what I've become now and what I will become in the future. But I remember one time in high school, I was kind of the kid that, you know, it's not that I was unpopular, but I got picked on a lot. I think I was just um, kind of screamed, hey, come pick on me. I'm a little <laughs> bit weak. <laughs> so, Sounds like me. And, and so I remember one night consciously thinking, you know what? I am going to be a nice, helpful person. There are not enough, enough nice and kind, helpful people in this world. And that is so directly related to my Enneagram type, which I won't say right now, but it is so amazing to look back on those conscious decisions that probably cropped up out of my temperament mm. um, and what I so desired to become and have around me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can really see it far back. If you go back in the way back machine like I just had to because that was a long time ago, you know, you can see it there. 
Well, and it's funny you said that because I think back to my childhood, and I had a lot of um, pageants, like oh. pretend pageants, not for, not real, <laughs> like pretend pageants. And for my second, no, for my um, my first birthday party, I really remember was when I was eight, and we all had a wedding, and it was going to be my wedding, and I was married oh. to I was marrying awesome. the cardboard man, and he was attached <laughs> to the microphone stand. And I would have a microphone with me when we would practice our singing with my friends that would come over. And we'd have dress-up clothes. And I can see that now. And I'm like, back then, I had a microphone. Here we go. Got a microphone. Give me a microphone and I'm going to say something. So it's it's funny how to look back at that and see um, certain traits and certain characteristics in our childhood that now we are seeing come to life. And I love that. Yes. I think it is so key to not only enjoy doing that, but really the benefit that comes from that in realizing, you know, I was born this way. I really, you are born with a temperament. Um, And that's not to say we can't change because our personality is made up of our temperament and our character. So it really is nurture and nature. And Therefore, we can change and grow and become. We don't have to stay stuck in some of the stuff that might be part of our temperament, too. And, but it's not all that great, and I'd like to grow beyond that. So, well, And I think that is so, I just think that is so key to know that. And it's kind of like that verse in the Bible that says, He who began a good work in you will complete it and you're like thank goodness thank you God that you do not give up on me and that you continue to work in me to make me more like your like your son Jesus and that's what you know that's what our goal is as Christians um, to to be but I want to kind of hone in a little bit about the Enneagram I want to tell you Michelle I am obsessed (laughs) okay so I want all of y'all to know that as we got on Skype today I said okay Michelle we're gonna play a game I am not you do not tell me what your Enneagram number is and I'm not gonna tell you what mine is and I want us to see if we can figure each other out at the end now I am no you are definitely more of an expert than I am for sure oh I don't know about that actually (laughs) well you're being trained in this now right you are being trained I am I am working on my certification and I want to tell you I was really hesitant, reserved, reluctant, because, you know, I just thought, oh, another thing, and I'm already certified in three or four others. Do I really need to do this? But it has been like wildfire. People are were so responsive to this, and I, I'll admit to you, the first time I really kind of was exposed to it, I didn't like it, and I'll tell you in a little while why I didn't like it, but I think it's while some people kind of feel that way um, with it still, but it is a powerful instrument really. And, um, maybe much more so than any of the others that I've been certified in before. So it's good stuff. Well, and I remember looking at it and when I first saw it, I was like, Oh, they get me. They get me. Like that's me in a very scary way, but you're like, Oh, okay. That's, that makes total sense. I am not crazy. Yes. No, yeah. You know, I think that's what people like about it. And there are some that are not on board with it. But tell us the benefits, the benefits of studying the Enneagram and knowing your Enneagram number. And then we're going to describe each Enneagram number. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. All right. So I think the benefit, probably the, I mean, there's so many, 
But one of the most unique about Enneagram is that it really focuses in on those things which can become unhealthy in our lives and, um, and yet gives us a picture of how we can live in a very healthy and productive way within our temperament as well. So it sort of um, gives us some key indicators about ways that we can be traveling down a path that is what, you know, Richard Rohr calls our shadow side, you know, the um, side of us that just really probably could get kind of dark. Um, and how to redirect that, maybe some different pathways or different habit breakers to help us be a lot more healthy. So, okay. but I think that's also the reason some people don't like it because it does focus a lot more on the negative than any other assessment I've ever um, utilized. And, and honestly, I think we need to do that at some time, Yeah, you know? Well, and tell me what, well, and, and I just had a thought, you know, if we don't know our weaknesses and don't know what we're not good at you know, or, or look at us and say, you know, we're sinful beings, then we need Jesus. That's, you know, it points us back Amen. to Jesus. And if right. we see the sin in our life or the, the weaknesses that we do have, because we are not perfect, then right. it points us straight back to him and, Ex what, you know, his, yeah. his strength and my weakness. Exactly. And yeah. I think yeah. that, you know, that's why God created us with strength and weakness is, he wants us to enjoy and utilize our strengths and feel empowered and feel, you know, equipped. But I think at the same time, we at times need to be humbled and our weaknesses do that for us. And they also teach us to depend on him. So, Lord, I'm having a tough time making a decision today. You know, I don't like to make decisions. Oh, yeah. Help me with that. Yeah. I need you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did, real quickly, how did the Enneagram um, become the Enneagram. I mean, it's been around for mm -hmm. years. Tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about the quick history of the Enneagram. Well, it's interesting that all personality assessments, with the exception of Enneagram, date back to about 930 BC. Okay. So back to, you know, the um, Greek philosophers, um, greats like Galen and Plato, were sort of toying with this idea that we could characterize um temperament or personality way back then. Okay. And wow. Socrates came up with, you know, the phlegmatic and choleric and those four styles that later translated into Jung's study. And Jung was in the early 1900s and he sort of resurrected all that study. And so a lot of his um, study then became part of Marston, who came up with DISC in the 1960s, and Elizabeth Myers, who came up with Myers-Briggs in the 60s. So, you know, you see this progression of those types of studies. Enneagram's different. Um, it, they actually don't know where it originates. What we do know is that it's Bedouin. So it's not based on a Greek philosophy. It's based on more the Eastern Arabic um, philosophy of how we're created and what we're like. So it's just really a whole different archetypal system, a platform, and it gives you just basically a completely different perspective than the Greeks had on, on temperament and super interesting. Okay. And so they are, it's classified as nine numbers. So number yes. one through nine. And will you take us through those nine just real quickly about mm -hmm. what their title is? And then just like a bullet point of about each type. Yes. Okay. So, um, and 
one thing that I think maybe it's important for your listeners to know is that there isn't like a patented Enneagram assessment like there is with Myers-Briggs. So you may get different titles for each of these nine numbers. Um, the one that I'm using is from Rizo Hudson right now. Rizo Hudson's probably one of the oldest that has taken this and used it in counseling and with organizations. So it's really common. So the first one is a type one. It's the reformer. Um, sometimes you'll hear it referred to as a perfectionist. Um, this person is really fixated on improvement, you know, doesn't like things to be out of alignment, out of order, done wrong, done incorrectly. Um, they're essentially making to make life better by having it be correct. And so I'm laughing yes. right now because that is my <laughs> husband. And so I'm just giggling because it's just funny to yeah. me and it's so yeah. good he's he's textbook anyway okay i love that too <laughs> when somebody's textbook that's a great thing because gosh it's so much easier um so number two then the helper um helpers are kind they are the feelers of the world i mean they really feel things deeply um, they believe that their highest duty is to serve others and that they really find great satisfaction in being able to, you know, anticipate someone's needs and meet those needs. Again, you know, going back to the shadow side, there can be some dark sides of that. But for the most part, helpers do desire to really just come alongside people and love them well. Yeah. So, yeah. yep, good friends to have around. Type three is the achiever. So these folks are really focused on presentation. They're focused on um, succeeding and getting things done. So they tend to be super moms, you know, um, the PTO president. They're really folks that are um, highly value achieving things and doing it well in the process. So, That's great. We need them. Amen to that. Yes, we do. All right. The type four then is the individualist. And I quite frankly find this probably the most um, complex of, of all the Enneagrams. And it's mm. probably because my oldest is a type four. Okay. And they are very deeply, um, oh gosh, self-perceiving. They're really seeking identity. They feel different than everybody else in the world. A lot of times they are highly creative Okay. So they sort of feel like they're a little marginalized. Nobody understands me. Um, and and truly, they are very deep individuals and very great deep thinkers, too. That's so, neat. Yeah. So type five are the investigators. These are the thinkers. And they are deep thinkers. They are critical thinkers. Um, they're very where, you know, twos are bent toward feeling Fives are bent toward logic. And mm. so fives are, you know, the folks that really, they'll even try to rationalize their feelings. You know? Oh, so, yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, a lot of times feelers kind of scare the thinkers and thinkers scare the feelers, you uh -huh. know. So <laughs> it can really be interesting, you know, um, to be a, a deep, deep thinker and not really want to have emotion play into things as much. So okay. they tend to be a little bit more withdrawn and observant, you know, a little more introverted. Okay. 
All right, so type six then. These folks are the loyalists, and they're really, there's this innate conflict between trust and distrust. In, um, in a, a type six, they can tend to have some issues with anxiety because, and again, this is a very deep and complex um, type, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, they really have a deep-seated fear that what they're seeing is not necessarily what they're going to get. Um, so, um, a little bit of waiting for the other shoe to drop at times and, um, and at the same time, they are incredibly loyal to the things that they determine to be worthy Mm -hmm. and there is nothing you can do to shake that. So, um, a very complex individual for sure. Who's a six. Okay. Okay. Then we have our type sevens. Um, type sevens are the enthusiasts. Yes. And, um, you know, these folks are pure fun, um, always up for an adventure. Um, they really do live life hoping they don't miss out on something great. You know, um, they want it to be fun and exciting and they believe that the best is yet to come. So, Mm Highly energetic people, most of the time, extremely, you know, glasses half full, um, multi-talented, open-minded. So that's our seven. You can usually spot a seven, I feel like. You can just kind of pick them out. I feel like. I think it's easy to pick out, usually. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I agree with that. And I, I sometimes think a lot of sevens mistype as other oh. things. Um, I've just in my own personal experience with talking with friends and coaches about it, I've had a lot of people who wrestle with, are they really a seven? So I'm still oh, learning about that. Interesting. Okay. Learning a lot about that. So, right. um, it's interesting. Or maybe that's just because I'm in ministry and oh. a lot of those folks are with me going, should I really be a seven? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe they have a wing. I don't, Maybe that maybe, maybe their wing is seven. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that could be. That maybe. Could be. I don't know. So okay, so type eight is the challenger. And um, these are gosh, the way I think of it is people are kind of large and in charge. You know, they do <laughs> not want to be controlled. Um, a lot of times these are folks who need to work for themselves or be the president, you know, of an organization. They're decisive, they're tough-minded, extremely energetic people. So I'm laughing on this one because this is my mother. Is it? Really? <laughs> it totally is, yes. <laughs> That's great. This is my husband. I love it. So, yeah, that was a whole new thing for us, really. Um, well, long yeah. story there with personalities, echoes of what I experienced with my boys, same with my husband. So I'm going to ask you about that in a minute, about marriage. Oh, so, okay, great. I'm going to ask you. And type nine is the peacemaker. So this is probably the hardest style from what I've experienced to identify. Um, Type nines typically mistype with either a two or a one or a five. Um, But this is a person who has an extremely deep-seated need for harmony. Mm. And, um, you know, they want very, very much to have others be satisfied and be 
um, happy. And so sometimes they're, you know, apt to just put down every need or desire that they have in themselves to really bring about peace in their relationships. Wow. Wow. Those are great. That's a great descriptive of each one. And I know you're not supposed to tell, like, I know I'm not supposed to say, oh, well, that's who that is or that's who that is. But you know, you yeah. can take those and say, I think this is what you are. Why don't you go read a book about it and then let me know. But I, I really can, like my husband, and it's so good that he's a one because he, oh, he just, he's so good for me. So yep. anyway, and, oh, my mom and, and all the people me. around me, you know, you can say, you're so good mm-hmm. for me. That's so great. Yes. So. And that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, assessments like these, tools like these, is that we can see how we do complement each other. We're often not opposites like we assume. Or compliments, but we have to just really appreciate that person's bent, you know? I like that. Okay, so let's kind of go. I'm going to go ahead and guess yours. I think you're a two. I think you're a helper. You you are so on. Yay! Yay, yay, yay. Because I want to know, you said your husband is an eight and you're a two. How did y'all compliment each other? You know, um, well, I'll be honest, in the beginning it was difficult um, because uh, we, first of all, are on complete, in my opinion, opposite ends of the world. You know, the spectrum is just so big between us. And um, I couldn't understand why he didn't want to have people around all the time. Some of it is introvert, extrovert. I'm very extroverted. He's more introverted. Um, And he couldn't understand why I had the need to be in everybody's business. You know what I mean? (laughs) And why do you care so much about what they're, just leave that alone. And he was pretty vocal about that and didn't really mince words. And here I am with all these grandiose, you know, ways that we can be doing community and doing life with people. And so I jokingly say that um, we've been happily married for 11 years and then we were married 10 years before that Mm. because we're coming up on 22 years before we had a tool like this to help us sort out our differences and begin to appreciate those things, we just went head to head most of the time. And I would think he was just trying to be difficult and he would think I was just trying to push his buttons. And we didn't understand that we actually saw things through completely different lenses and what a difference that made with our motivations and with the way we wanted to spend our Saturday afternoons. And it has been such a glorious thing that God has done in showing us how to appreciate one another and how we've really changed each other for the better. Just like you said, your husband's so good for you being a one. My husband has been terrific for me in establishing boundaries and, you know, learning to say, I don't need to help there, you know? That's so, great. That's yeah. awesome. So, and and if you hadn't had the study of the Enneagram or these personalities, was it the Enneagram that really started y'all on your journey of realizing of the positives and negatives about each personality type or each Enneagram type? You know, I'll tell you, it was actually the DISC um, mm-hmm. because that was the earliest, the first one yeah. I started on. And so, but, you know, every time we do one of these personality tests together, we really have some new awareness, which is genius, in my opinion, of God to think of making us so complex that we continue to discover new things about each other, even after being married for so long. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about how y'all met. You've been married 22 years, so how did y'all meet? (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so uh, we were both at Colorado Christian University in Denver. Okay. And we, um, I transferred in there my sophomore year, and he was a senior. We had, this is just, I mean, so paradoxical and so great of God. Our, we had a class together, and that class was negotiation management. Oh. We were both business students. And what I find so great about that is, you know, twos just let everybody have their own way. So, of course, he loved me because I'm just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever you want. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. Let's do it your way. So, um, yeah, looking back on that now, I can totally see that. But it that very thing then, after we got married and he realized I really did have an opinion, it was just going to come out much more passive aggressively, um, <laughs> was a whole thing we had to contend with and still do to this day. Oh, yeah. But Me too. I, I had to learn how to express that better. So anyway, we had that class. Um, we went on one date. We went to go see... Rob Roy, um, which was, you know, a movie out in the early nineties. And okay. the guy in the movie was, um, uh, from Scotland and he was in a kilt. And John, my husband said, I think I want to get married in a kilt. And I decided, mm, I'm not going to marry this guy. <laughs> for sure. So why even date? But all kidding aside, he didn't call me for six months after that. Finally, when he did, um, he was traveling. He was out on the road with a production company. We ended up dating and the rest is history. You know, we got married a year later. So, okay. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Neat story. I like it. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, as women, as women, yes. I know we relate, we love community. We love connecting. Um, yes. we love that. We need that. Um, but so many times we are competing with each other yes. and we are not feeling secure in ourselves or who we are in Christ. And that's yes. how we tear others down by comparing mm -hmm. ourselves to them or being jealous mm -hmm. or envious. Tell mm -hmm. me, how can the Enneagram help us in our friendships and as women? Mm -hmm. You know, I think in all of our relationships, we really have to embrace who we are in order to really love other people well. Mm. So um, trying to think of the author at the moment, but one of my best say, my favorite sayings is comparison is the death of joy. Yes. And, you know, when we cannot accept and love who God has created us to be, it's very difficult to be able to accept and love who God has created others to be. Mm. So, um, it seems sort of counterintuitive, you know, I think, especially for us twos, we think, oh, I just need to tamp down my desires and, you know, just embrace who everybody else is. Well, it just doesn't work that way. We really do need to have an appreciation for how God has made us in order to be able to tap into our strengths, which will help us love others better. So in our relationships, I think it's a two-way street, you know, love ourselves appreciate and love others as well and try to understand where they're coming from that's different from our own motivations you know that's so good because I remember sitting with um in the car after going shopping with a new friend and mm -hmm. we were talking about the Enneagram and it was so refreshing to talk with someone mm -hmm. that had the background knowledge of the Enneagram and my type and was able to say 
Okay, let's be real here. Are you being real yes. or are you not being real? <laughs> and yes. it was good. It was good for me to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this is, I am totally being real with you. But she said, okay, from now on out, we're real. We're new friends and we're real friends. And I was like, yes, yes. I love it. But it was, it was <laughs> neat because the Enneagram, I think, brought that out in us. Yes. And, you know, that is one thing that we talk about a lot in our church is one of the reasons we do a personality assessment is to give us common terminology that we're all using as a church family to describe our likes and our dislikes and our strengths and weaknesses. Um, So again, I think sometimes if there's conflict, using an instrument like this can really be helpful in getting you on the same page and recognizing, oh my goodness, they really don't see things through the same lens that I do. It's so, neat. It's neat. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so after we, and we've talked about a lot of this, tell me before we kind of get to the fun questions at the end, tell me yeah. one thing if you wanted to tell anybody about the Enneagram, and maybe mm. to those that don't think it's worth their time, what would you mm. say to those people? Oh, goodness. You know, I think this is hard work, but I feel like one of the most helpful and important things we can do is understand the um, dark pathways that we're inclined to, because those habits that come out of those dark pathways and those shadow sides of who we can become are really pretty ugly, and we all have them. So I would say don't um, berate yourself for those things, but do understand them and understand a tool like this. Enneagram gives you some great um, clues about how to quickly undo those habits. Mm. It's not going to be easy, but it can be more simple than you think. So it can give you a, a pathway for personal growth and development so that you don't have to repeat those bad habits over and over again. Mm, that's great. That's good advice. I like it. Mm, thank you. Okay, so tell me, I want to know for one, is when are you going to write your book? Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> all of the parenting things and all of these things that you were telling us about, the Enneagram and personalities and self-discovery, I love it. When are you going to write oh, a book? <laughs> Ren, you're getting up in my grill now because I know I'm supposed to write a book and I just, the Lord hasn't quite okay. given me what it is yet. But okay. I know it. one of the things I'm so passionate about is parenting. So there are some really good things out there. I want to recommend um, two to your listeners. Yes. Um, Ian Cron has really great podcasts. Yes. His book, um, The Road Back to You, is terrific. And he's got some others as well that are really good. He's a former pastor, a trusted believer, um, good doctrine, theology, all of it. So he's he's great. Another one recently that I've encountered that is awesome um, is Self to Lose, Self to Find. Mm. And it was written by Marilyn. Um, oh, goodness, I just lost her last name. But Self to Lose, Self to Find. And she, okay. too, is a wonderful believer. Um, okay. Terrific book. Okay, I'll write those in the show notes so that everybody Great. can go grab those from Amazon or wherever. So, Great. yeah, yeah. Oh, and really quickly, too, Ian Cron has a, a free Enneagram assessment that types people very well. Okay. Um, one of the things about Enneagram is that they do encourage self-analysis above and beyond just taking an assessment. Yeah. So it may take, I, I continually type as a seven. 
Um, but oh, I am funny. Yeah, I am a two through and through. Okay, so. okay. Yeah, and they said to read the book, The Road Back to You, which I, it's in my Amazon cart. I, I still have not bought it. I cannot believe that because I love the Enneagram so much. But yeah. they said to read that and you will see yourself in that book. It is incredible. And it's a really easy read, too. Some of these others Good. are real kind of heavy, clinical, yeah. Yeah. you know, okay. speak. And this is, Road Back to You is very easy to read. So That's it's great. Good. Okay, so I have... Um, Three questions and then one little bonus friendship question for you. Okay, awesome. you ready? Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. The lightning round. So yes, since I do discuss friendship on the podcast, what is something fun that you do with your friends? One of my most recent fun favorite things to do with friends is to kayak. So oh. We have been kayaking the rivers in Tennessee. Um, my son is, he works for an outdoors company, so we get free kayak rental. <gasps> Fun. And I've been dragging all of my friends out to go kayaking. So, <laughs> Oh my goodness, that is so brave. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we don't do a lot of the fast, um, the rapid kayaking, okay, okay. you know, some of it is more the calm Tennessee rivers, but okay. you know, sometimes every now and then you get a rapid. So That's fun. Okay. So not yeah. like uh, the Okoe. <laughs> not the Okoe. <laughs> the no, Okoe. it's pretty fast. I'm <laughs> not the fast there. part of the Okoe for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That is so yeah. interesting. You were the first person to say that when I've asked my oh, guest about good. the friendship, they're usually like, awesome. we go to the movies, we talk, we hang out and you're kayaking. I love it. You know, <laughs> if it's not kayaking, it's hiking. So, okay. so you're an outdoors <laughs> girl. Okay. I do love the outdoors. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Great. Yeah. Okay. So um, three more questions, and they're kind of fun questions. My eat, read, love segment. So awesome. what are you eating, what are you reading, and what are you loving? Okay. Eating, this is so boring, oh. but I, <laughs> I'm i trying not to eat sugar. Okay, but yeah. That's yeah, um, I love Belveda bars. <laughs> I have like yes. an unusually unhealthy love of Belveda bars. No, I've seen, are but, these the flat ones? Yes. Yes, they're, they're like yummy. Cookies. When yeah. you're not eating sugar, they're like the best thing ever because you get yeah. fiber and whatever else. So yeah, okay. those are great. So that's my favorite snack. Uh, what am I reading? My favorite book right now is called More by Todd Wilson. Okay. Um, More is a, you know, I kind of geek out on anything pertaining to finding your life's calling. Ooh, yeah. And he has just a tremendous book about helping you really pound out some of the um, practical things about your calling. So oh, that sounds great. Really, really good stuff. He's one of the founders of the Exponential Conferences. Okay. And so love that book. Okay. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. What are you loving? Yeah. What am I loving? I am loving that I am being forced right now to... Um, embrace some new things. You know, this is an odd stage of life with almost being an empty nester. Um, and I'm trying to pour into my life right now things that are going to help fill some of the void that my boys will leave when they're, you know, off and flown the coop. So okay. I started playing the cello this year. Wow. And that has been a really great exercise in challenging the brain because mm. <laughs> it's 
something I haven't done in a long time, playing a musical instrument. So wow. I'm loving my cello. That's great. That's so good. I am terrible. I speak <laughs> a lot. My my family doesn't love my cello, but yeah, I but do. you do, and that that's what matters is that you're enjoying it. That that's is great. great. I have never again. I have never had anybody say they are loving the cello, and I love that. <laughs> I think that's so unique. So unique. Oh, thanks. Okay, so um, what enneagram? I can totally cut this out. What enneagram number do you think I am? I'm tricky. You know, I have a wing. I, I'll say that I have a wing. I was going to say, you've got to have a strong wing. Um, I would have guessed originally a seven. That's my wing. That's my wing. uh, Are you a six? I'm a six. Ren, this is a wonderful thing, though. I mean, look what you've done. This podcast (laughs) is so successful. And I uh, talk about moving into the growth patterns. Well, I don't know. A lot of unhealthy. (laughs) I'll tell you that. A lot of doubting myself and you know but um but yeah but the seven wing helps I think it helps me <laughs> it helps me most kinda definitely be kind of letting yeah. go but isn't that funny thank you so much Michelle this was so much fun I know my listeners are going to love hearing your story and to hear about the Enneagram and just the parenting nuggets you gave us so good so thank you oh it's been a joy and an honor thank you so much Ren for having me it was a blessing and a fun time today thanks Oh my goodness, that was so fun. I had the best time with Michelle. I loved chatting with her. I loved what she said about if we don't accept and love who God created us to be, then it's very difficult for us to be able to accept and love who God has created others to be. Oh, I love that so much, so much. I know Michelle would love to connect with you over on Facebook. Check the show notes for that, and also they will be listed on renrobbins.com. Thanks so much for listening to episode 72. I will see you next week for episode 73 when I chat with my new friend, Jessica Roberts. Jessica has a deeply moving story and very raw conversation, but I love that she points it back to Jesus and uh, shares the hope that she has in him. You will not want to miss it. So I will see you next week. Remember, we're all friends of a feather. So let's stick together and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.